I asked you just a moment ago to think about a time in your life when you experience what you would describe as pure joy. Can you think of a time like that? Maybe you think about the birth of your children. <laughs> maybe you think about their graduation. <laughs> maybe, maybe you think about uh, your wedding day. Maybe you think about a childhood memory. I think about just growing up. I kind of remember my, the house that I grew up in and riding my dirt bike or going fishing with my brother and my dad. Maybe you think about a time that you were rescued from danger. I, I've experienced doing that. You ever been in a car accident before? And you realize, oh wow, I'm still alive. Uh, thank you, God. Amen. Thank you that I'm still alive. Thank you that, that my life has been spared. Maybe you think about a family memory. Your parents or your grandparents. A 50th wedding anniversary, and that was so special, and, and it meant so much to you to see your family. Maybe an award, a recognition that somebody noticed something that you did. But there's joy that you can think about. Unfortunately, those times in our lives are few and far between. In this life that we live, they don't come often, it seems like, and they certainly don't last long enough. They're precious to us, aren't they? There's just so much in this world. I mean, you've heard me share it before. I mean, it's just, if, if everything would just work right, this would be a great life, amen? If my body, if these relationships, if this money, if this weather, amen? If it would all just work right. There's so many challenges, so many mistakes, so many hurts, so many heartbreaks. Is it possible for us to experience joy in this life? Even have a joy that stays with us no matter what the situation. Well, we've been studying the book of Philippians together and as the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to that church there, there were some things that apparently had threatened to steal their joy. And the Apostle Paul was very concerned about that. And we've been learning about many of the things that he brought up to them that said, hey, here's some things that you need to be careful about, and here's some, here's some different angles uh, concerning that to help you with that. But tonight, we're going to focus on Philippians 4, verses 1 through 9, where Paul talks to them about having joy or finding joy in every situation. In fact, our focal verse really for this passage is Philippians 4 verse 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Paul says, listen, have joy in the Lord always, at all times. It is possible in every situation of your life no matter what, it is possible to have joy. And then Paul says, and by the way, let me just say it one more time. And again, I will say to you, rejoice. The question for us tonight, though, is how? How can we have joy? Don't you think of that? When we say that tonight, the Bible says that it is possible for me to have joy in every situation that I find myself in my life. I actually literally today had to call upon my own notes that I put together here because I wasn't having joy at one point today. And I had to specifically walk myself through these verses and be reminded because daily we are challenged with that, aren't we? How do we have joy in our lives no matter what? And Paul tells us, first of all, in verses 1 through 5, I want us to think about this. Paul says you can have joy no matter what, first of all, you and I need to do 
what you can do. Write that down, and I'm going to explain it. If you want to have joy in every situation, the first thing we're going to see in verses 1 through 5 is to do what you can do. In verses 1 through 5, the first few verses of this chapter, Paul tells the church there in Philippi, and specifically some individuals there, that there are some things that they need to take care of. And if they don't take care of some things that they had the power to take care of, it was going to rob them of joy in their life. Look at verses 1 through 5. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche. And you say, Pastor Robert, how do you know so well how to pronounce those Greek names? When you're reading Greek or Hebrew or, or something like another language, say it real fast and nobody knows the difference, all right? I urge those people to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle and the cause of the gospel together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Now in verse 1, Paul starts with something kind of general. And really it's a carryover, if you were here with us last time, it's a carryover from chapter 3. Chapter 3, we talked about the greatest pursuit in life. If you want joy in your life, then you've got to get on the path. The greatest pursuit in life is to say, I want to know Jesus Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to give my life to Him. I want to trust in Him. I want to surrender to Him. I want to be saved by Him. I want to be inhabited by Him. I want to follow Him and know Him and understand His ways. And in verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, my beloved, in this way, what I just talked to you about, stand firm in that. Also in verse 1, we notice something. You remember I shared with you that the Apostle Paul, many times when he was writing a letter, there was some strong language that he had to give. There was some correction that he had to give many times as he was writing letters. But we find in the book of Philippians, much endearment. We don't find as many problems. There's some hints at some issues. But there's a great sense of Paul's love for these people. How precious they were. And, and really, that comes out no clearer than in, in verse 1. He calls them my beloved how many times? Twice. That is the word that comes from the word for God's love for us, okay? That agape kind of love, unconditional, I love you no matter what kind of love. He calls, I mean, if somebody wrote you a letter and called you my beloved, wouldn't you think they'd be, they'd be proposing pretty soon, right? They'd be giving you a ring pretty soon. I mean, my beloved, you don't really say that to a lot of people, do you? He says, you are my brethren, my brothers, my sisters. You are the ones I long for. Again, that's something I'm thinking, man, they're going to be on their knee asking me to marry them pretty soon, right? My joy, my crown. Actually, the crown, I'll just specifically bring that, that, that piece out. The crown was actually the victor's crown, okay? It was the crown that the Greek people used when you won a race, okay? Congratulations, you won. Paul basically says to them, you are my gold medal. If I finish in life, and you do well, and you walk with God, and you fulfill His purpose, that's what it was all about for me. Isn't that amazing? I love you guys. You mean everything to me. But then in verses 2 and 3, he gets to his real point here. He says, I want to challenge you to have joy in the Lord in all things, no matter what, at all times. And if that's going to happen, there's some things that you need to take care of. 
He really mentions two things here. He says, some of you need to make some things right with other people. And others of you need to help some other people who are struggling. Okay, did you hear that? Paul says, listen, in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord at all times. And in that context, he says, but listen, there's some things going on around you guys, and there's some things that you can do to make a difference in that happening. Some of you have some things that you need to make right with some other people, and others of you see those hurts that people are having, and you need to get engaged with that. Now, let's talk about the first one. Apparently, the Philippian church was a wonderful church, but it was not perfect. Okay? Now, I've shared with you guys before, I remember when I was just getting started out in ministry, and we were, we were, I had just started my master's training, uh, and I was uh, going to school, and we found this wonderful church, and, and, and at first we became members of that church, and we were serving in the young married couples class, and all these kind of different things. Then uh, the pastor, he came to me, he said, uh, Robbie, you know, we're really praying about the next youth pastor for our church, and we believe you're the guy. And so I became the youth pastor for that church, and this wonderful church where I loved all the people, I found out some of these people ain't so nice. They got problems around here. Some are flat out mean sometimes, you know. Wow, there's some sinners. Can you believe that? There are some sinners in our church. And I'm going to tell you, for a little while, it kind of ruined it for me. I mean, I was kind of like, I thought this was such a, I thought this was like heaven. I thought this was like, you know, the next thing to, I'm in glory. And now it's like, man. You know what God really began to teach me? Now you know who I really died for. Now you know who I really love and who I really gave my life for. The church at Philippi was no different. It seems that there were two ladies there who were not getting along. And Paul says, I urge you ladies. Now the word that he uses is a word that's used uh, uh, to talk about the Holy Spirit. Some of you have heard the word paraclete, okay? That's just a transliteration out of Greek into English. It means someone who comes alongside of another person, which I love that image. I always kind of think of somebody just sort of just propping somebody else up, okay? So Paul says, I'm going to come alongside you ladies, and and it means encouragement. Actually, it can mean challenge. It kind of has both meanings. So Paul says, I kind of of encourage you. I'm, I'm sort of challenging you. I exhort you. It can be translated... You really need to make this thing right. You need to have the same mind is literally what he says. He says, I I urge you to live in harmony. But literally, it says you need to have the same mind. He says, you guys, you really need to get on the same page. It's very common in churches for people to have all kind of different opinions and preferences and ideas. I mean, good grief. You take two people in marriage and put them together. I mean, you got war nearly. Amen? I mean, so bring like, we're, you know, we're 400 people, maybe 500 people on the weekends now. How do you possibly get that many people together on anything? And you know what? Some of those ideas may be good ideas in and of themselves. These were good ladies. What did Paul say about these ladies? He said, these ladies, both of them, have shared my struggle. It's, it's, it's a word that means they have worked hard with me together in the gospel. 
These are ladies who care about the cause of Christ. But apparently, they weren't seeing things together. And Paul says, that's a problem. That's something that, 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 that is taking away the strength of God's family. It's taking away from the mission. We need to work it out. We need to get on the same page. Paul said, do what you can do. Do your best to work it out. Write down Romans chapter 12, verse 18. You ever had a problem person in your life? The Bible says, if possible, because <laughs> sometimes it ain't, but if possible... So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Make every effort. Do your best. I mean, ultimately, I can't control what that other person decides, right? Let's don't use that as a cop-out. But ultimately, I realize that. That's my expectation. But as far as it depends on me, I need to, before God, know that I've done everything I can. And that my heart remains open to do everything I can to work it out. Then he said, secondly... In those verses, he said, okay, you ladies need to work it out. But he says also, indeed, true companion, he's talking to somebody else, I ask you to help these women. The second thing we need to do is to notice other people who are struggling and come alongside them and help them. Paul called this person my true yoke fellow. Okay, now this doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Well, maybe it does. I mean, we live in somewhat of a rural area, somewhat of a you know, farming community um, around the surrounding area. Paul was talking about two oxen being yoked together. He said this person he was talking to, he was talking to this person like, we are on the same team, we're working together. The Apostle Paul said, if I were there, I would be working with these ladies to get this worked out. And he calls upon this person, he says, do what I would do if I was there. You and I have worked closely together. I want you to do what you can do to help them to reconcile their differences. If you've ever been in a family with unresolved conflict, have you ever been in a church with unresolved conflict? When you look up joy in the dictionary, do you think that picture would be there? A family with unresolved conflict? A church with unresolved conflict? Paul says, do what you can do. If you want to have joy, there's some things that are within your power to take care of, and you need to take care of those things. Now, before we move on, let's finish with verses 4 and 5. Like I said earlier, verse 4, I really believe is kind of the focus of this passage. It's really driving the message of this passage. But verse 5 is more general instruction that I believe is directed to these ladies and to the church family as a whole. It says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Now that word gentleness is a word that has kind of a wide variety of meaning. But it basically means graciousness. Listen to me. God is teaching us as Christians how to treat one another. Are you listening? God said, let your graciousness, let your dealing kindly with others Maybe we should put it this way. Give other people some slack. We would just call that patience, right? But I think giving them some slack sort of gives a little bit more of a word picture. Okay? That should be something that the followers of Jesus are known for. And he says you should do it even more so because the Lord is near. Actually, literally, it says the Lord is at hand. He's right at the door, Revelation says. Okay, listen, church family. 
If we want joy in our midst, then we ought to be the kind of family that cares about our relationships. And if things aren't right, we do our best to make them right. In our own home and in our church family. And we're highly motivated because Jesus might be coming back tonight. And I wouldn't want to say that I hadn't done everything I could to make those things right. By the way, some translations translate this, uh, maybe you have the King James, uh, maybe the New King James, moderation. And actually, people paraphrase this. You'll hear people say that the Bible says, let all things be done in moderation. As far as I know, that's not in the Bible, just to let you know. That's not in Proverbs or the book of the Bible. So people say, yeah, the Bible says, let all things be done in moderation. That's not correct. Okay, it says, let your moderation be known to all, but that's sort of a tough translation. So I think gentleness, graciousness is better. The point here, though, is there are some things in life that I have no control over. Agreed? But there are some things in life I do have some control over. I can do something about. And Paul says, if you want to have joy in your life, you need to do something about those situations. Secondly, though, do what you can do, but you also need to give the rest to the Lord. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. He says, be anxious for nothing. Oh, well, that's easy. Amen. Oh, yeah, I got that one. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what? Some of us here tonight are control freaks. Aren't we? We think the world needs us to keep on spinning. And when the Lord said what He did in verses 1-5, through you liked that, didn't you? That's right. Amen. There's some things that I need to get in there, get involved, do something to make a difference. And to some extent, may I say, God bless you. Thank God there are people with motivation and drive and responsibility and notice and go-getters and all that kind of thing. But if you're not careful you can begin to take the weight of the world on your shoulders. And you begin to think that everything needs to, that needs to be done should be done by you. That every problem is your problem to fix. And before long, life is not too much fun. You're stressed, you're worried, you're overwhelmed. At some point, you become bitter and resentful. Amen? And it's not very long before you have lost your joy. The Bible says if you want to have some joy in your life, listen to this. He says, be anxious, be troubled, be overly concerned about nothing. Now, don't misinterpret this. It doesn't mean that Christians should not care about anything. Okay? It doesn't mean that I don't pay attention in life that I'm irresponsible or I'm lazy or that if injustice is happening, I can just ignore it or, you know, just pretend like it's not happening. No, I believe the Bible, the Bible says be angry and sin not, okay? It is possible to be angry and not be sinning. Sometimes we should be roused to action. Sometimes we should see something happening and saying, uh-uh, that should not be happening. 
The problem, this is just a side note, the problem for us is I'm not very good at getting angry without self and flesh getting involved. So that's where we have to be careful. But, but Jesus got angry, he got roused to action, and he never sinned, okay? So that's not what this is talking about. This, though, says, the Bible says, I should not be worried or overly concerned. Instead, what should my response be? It says, instead, in all things, in every situation, no matter where you find yourself, here's what you should do. So what am I supposed to do, Pastor Robbie? I'm just supposed to pretend like nothing? Didn't I just say, it doesn't mean we're not supposed to pretend like nothing's wrong or, 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 or ignore things. So what should I do? The Bible says, I should pray. What is prayer? Talking to God. Okay? If, if there's something in my life that I see that I'm concerned about, Maybe I should be concerned, but I shouldn't be overly concerned. It says I should talk to God about it, and it said through supplication. What's supplication? That means asking God, okay? I should talk to God about it. I should ask God to help me in this situation, and with thanksgiving, I should do it with a grateful heart. By the way, when we talk about asking God for things, I cannot tell you how many people over the years have told me, Pastor Robbie, I do not pray and ask God to help me with my needs. And they said, the reason I do that is because I feel like that's selfish, which is really sweet. I mean, I think that somebody would say that. I mean, they said, I, I, think, I feel like that's selfish, or other people say, I feel like God has so much going on, He certainly wouldn't want to bother Himself with my little things. Okay? Well, again, I think that is very humble, but... It's not correct, okay? And I want you to understand the Bible says that God does care for you, okay? And it, is very, it may be very humble to say, I don't want to focus on my needs, but God does want me to bring things that I'm concerned about. He doesn't want me to be, he doesn't want me to be overly concerned, but He does want me to be concerned and to say, God, I'm so concerned. In fact, sometimes I found, maybe you found this to happen. I used to worry. I used to worry a lot. Now Shannon would say, boy, he went from one extreme to the other. I mean, I don't worry. I, I, I just don't worry. I used to lay in bed and I'd think about things and I'd hem and haw and chew and write notes and think about this. I got to take care of this. I mean, I just, I worried a lot. I got tired. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to trust the Lord. Well, now it's almost like I went so far in the other direction that I feel like I trust the Lord so much that I don't even talk to Him about things. It's like, you know, we need this to happen, or God, could you provide this, or Lord, there's this situation. And many times I just say, okay, Lord, I know you got that, I'm going to move on. Well, that's wrong too. And many times when I have a situation in life where something's not working out right, many times the Lord just, I say, Lord, I, I gave that to you. He says, well, you sort of threw it at me, but you haven't really talked to me about it. Is anybody sort of feeling? Okay. So let's be careful. We don't want to be overly concerned, but we also don't want to ignore. I need to specifically lift up needs and concerns and people and situations. God wants me to do that. So I don't have to worry, but I should be praying and asking God. And verse 7 tells us what will happen if we do that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What joy. What freedom. You know what, tonight there are some of us who are all tied up in 
not. And tonight, your creator wants to just unravel all those knots. And he wants to give you a peace that sometimes, I told you Shannon probably says, you know, I went in the other direction. Sometimes I think, maybe I should be worried. (laughs) You know, it's weird in the situation that I'm in, I should be worried. But I'm not. That's amazing. That only comes from God. Brings me back to the idea of the Sabbath. It does not all depend upon me. I read something this week that we commend people who are hard workers. We recognize, and, and to some extent we should, right? The Bible commends that. But actually, sometimes hard work can be evidence of a lack of faith. Because some of us are working real hard to keep things going. I mean, that's what the Sabbath, he said, listen, I want you to collect twice as much on the sixth day and rest on the seventh day. You won't do anything on the seventh day and I'll still keep the world spinning and I'll still provide for you. So if I had went out and tried to do work on that seventh day, what I was basically saying is, I'm not so sure, God, so I'm just going to make sure. Okay? Maybe God sometimes wants you to be still and let Him work. What freedom. Listen, what's God saying to us tonight? The first thing He said to us is, hey, you have a part. Isn't that good news? We're, we're not just sitting around here and God's doing His thing. No, it's, I have a purpose for you. You're a part of my plan. There are some things I'm calling you to do. Do them. If if there's something you know you need to do, you need to make right, you need to fix a relationship that needs to be mended, someone you need to assist in some way, do it. But listen, there's a lot of things you can't control. Don't be overly concerned about those things, but bring those things to me. It's dependent upon me, the Lord says, not on you. And by the way, what a testimony that is to other people. In the midst of a challenging situation, for you to say... I have an overwhelming sense that God is just going to take care of this. And I'm not just talking about just, uh, just you know, some people think that's naive or whatever. You know, I'm talking about responsible. You're doing everything you need. This is what this is talking about, okay? I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm entrusting the rest to God in incredible freedom and peace. Of God, I know you're going to work this out. That can give you joy no matter what situation you find yourself. Number three, though, he says in verses 8 through 9, we need to focus on the good things. Look at verses 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever is true... Somebody needs to hear these verses tonight. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell or think about those things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I want to challenge you to pay attention because these verses could potentially be life-changing for someone here tonight. Really in two ways. I want you to think about two different applications for these verses. First of all, there are some of us who are trying to come out of our old way of life. 
Anybody here learning what it means to follow Jesus? I hope everybody. Okay? And are you still struggling with it? I used to be one way, but now I'm becoming someone else. Okay? If you're in that position, I find that many times when we're coming out of that old way, many times we focus on what I used to be, but I can't be anymore. What I used to have, but I can't have anymore. It's that don't religion. You know, it's that can't. That's what people think about church. It's just a bunch of you can't, don't, don't touch that, don't do that. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, I came to give you life and life overflowing. He said, one tree in the garden, stay away from it. Everything else, have at it. I mean, God's a God of, there's a whole universe to explore and enjoy. But we want to focus on you know, it's, it's like somebody maybe who struggles with alcohol. Okay, sitting around thinking, I can't drink. I can't drink. Oh, I can't drink. Well, I better not drink. Well, eventually, what are they going to do? They're going to drink, right? Instead, what God's Word says is, don't think on, don't dwell on the old stuff. Focus on what God's replacing it with. Okay. Here's, here's the mindset. We tend to think of, oh, I had this fun life and God came and took all the fun away and now I've got to carry this cross and, and one day I'll get to heaven and then it'll be fun again. No, what he says is, I came to set you free and you were bound. You actually were bound before. Okay? Even if you thought you were free, you were bound and you were headed for hurt and pain. What you hadn't already seen. Okay? So I came to take the counterfeits away and to replace them with the good things that I always intended for you in the first place. So don't focus on the negative. Focus on, okay, God, if you took this away, I can't wait to see the great replacement that was even better all along. Secondly, it reminds me to consider the influences in my life. Okay? Now think about you're coming out of that old way. Don't focus on what I used to have. Focus on what God has for me. Okay? But the second thing is this. Are you thinking about the influences in your life? Have you ever heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out? Okay? A lot of Christians don't really think about that a lot. And maybe tonight is going to be an eye-opener for you. Maybe tonight what you hear about when we get together and worship God or when we have a Bible study or whatever, when you're around New Hope, the light bulbs come on, but somehow it's not connecting at home. I'm hoping some connection is going to be made. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to judge what you watch or what you do with your... And you don't do the same with me. But it is amazing to me how many Christians are not connecting those dots. They have no problem with putting things into their minds. That is garbage in. And if you get garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. So I come to church, and hopefully I hear the truth. Hopefully truth goes in. I may, I'm involved in a growth group, maybe once a week, and hopefully some truth comes in. You know, I, 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 so I, I'm, I'm letting some things come in, but then I watch a TV show, that dishonors God, or I read magazines that dishonor, or there's music that's not encouraging me to follow God, and eventually that's going to have an impact on my life. 
you're not feeding the Spirit, you're feeding the flesh. The Bible says, I love this. The Bible says in Romans 13, verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts and desires. Here's how I like to say that. Don't pack a sandwich for your sin nature. Okay? We're going on a picnic. Sin nature is not getting to eat. Okay? So make no provision. Don't, don't, don't make any sandwiches for the sin nature. We're not planning to feed that. We're planning on feeding the Holy Spirit. Right? Because if I don't feed the Holy Spirit's work in my life, if I feed the flesh, then the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, I could actually grieve the Holy Spirit in me. Did you know that? God lives in me if I'm a child of God. And he said, Robbie, that's not what I have for you. Friends, listen, it all comes back to that joy thing. The most frustrated person in the world is a child of God who is feeding the flesh and not feeding your spirit, the Holy Spirit. Maybe tonight you would say, wait, Pastor Robbie, I gave my life to Jesus. Why does it not feel better? Maybe this is the next step for you. Again, we're all at different places, and we need to be very careful about judging. You come over to my house, or I go over to your house, we need to be very careful about judging each other. I mean, unless there's something obvious that we, you know, we have a relationship and we can talk to each other about and accountability, but, but we need to give a lot of room for growth and people to have different convictions and all that kind of stuff, okay? But realizing all that, all of us tonight, I want to ask you, are you thinking about what you're feeding? Are you focusing on the good things? Or is there some garbage going in? And maybe that's why there's some garbage coming out. And you don't even realize it. Some of it's even subconscious, isn't it? If I'm watching movies, if I'm, if I'm hearing broken relationships and wrong ways of thinking, if it keeps going in, eventually it's going to come out. And you're going to lose that joy that God wants to give you tonight. The Bible says that God wants to give us a joy that lasts no matter what your situation. I literally, I thought of this today. I hope you'll take it home with you. Okay, I'm in a situation, and I ain't sensing the joy. Okay, number one, is there anything I can do? Number two, with the whole bunch of things that I can't, I'm going to talk to the Lord about it. And number three, I'm going to focus on the good things, not the bad things. It'll take you a long ways. Are you listening, Christian? God's wanting to give you joy tonight that no one, no situation can take away. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. It is impossible for you to live out the Christian life without the Christ living in you. So tonight, friend, have you ever said, Jesus, that's where I need to start. Humble myself before you. I cannot do this, God but I want you to do it in me. Please forgive me. I know that you died on that cross for me, Jesus, and I give my life to you. If you can make something out of this mess, here it is. Do it, God. Would you trust him tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
that gives us power and encouragement. Lord, life is tough. There's so many challenges, so many battles, so much hurt, so much that would threaten to steal our joy. I thank you for giving us your word tonight. I pray that we would listen to it and follow it through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would do what you've promised to do in us, Lord. And now in these moments, I pray that we would let you work before we leave. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.